It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Rush. Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, 11 yards, touchdown! Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! It's Tuesday, and it's time for the Sports Rush here on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FN. I hope everyone had a nice Christmas holiday break. Of course, I watched a lot of football because of the NFL, basically two days of it, which was awesome to see. And, uh, of course, the Colts' dismal performance last night against the Chargers, losing 20-3. to Joining me in the producer's chair today is Adam Lundy. I am the coach, Shannon Griffith. Welcome to your daily Sports 6 from 4 to 6. Hey, today we got a pretty good show on tap. We're going to have Comets head coach Ben Boudreaux. Uh, with us, Kay's facing a big week ahead. Topple games against the Walleye and Indianapolis Fuel, which I believe is leading the division. We have uh, James Boyd from the Atlantic coming on to talk the Colts. That the Athletic. Atlantic. I'm sorry. All good. Athletic. And and Don Fisher will join us in the second hour as Justin Kinney had a chance to talk with Fish this this morning, and we have our 15 minutes with Fish. And Adam, how did your Christmas turn out? It was great. Yeah, I had a lovely time spending time with uh, family on Sunday. We do. We had a fabulous Christmas breakfast. I ate lots of cheesy potatoes. Oh I got, yeah. I got lots of. Um, I don't. I don't really ask for anything at the moment because I, I live in a kind of small apartment and uh-huh. a lot. A lot of stuff is not what I need right now. So <laughs> I just kind of ask for things that help me, you know, live my daily life. So gift cards to the grocery store. Oh, those and, are awesome. And to the gas station. So things that help me, you know, save a little money um, and, yeah. and make my life a little bit easier. So I, I got what I wanted and I got some candy and you know what else can you ask for? How was your well, Christmas. candy, of course, has got to be the priority well, what gift. We, what we do is when we give a gift card, we'll, we'll still put it in a box or something, and we'll usually include something that weighs something, you know, something cheap, like a, you know, candy bar. We, we, oh, call, yeah. it, we call it ballast. <laughs> hey, man, I like it. You I, like it? I, I mean, yeah, we had a great, uh, great uh, Christmas uh, holiday. My daughter was in town, of mm-hmm. course. She's, she's here, actually spending the week up here. Um, and then my son was unable to make it, uh, be due, due to work situations, but the flight he originally had scheduled to come up here was canceled anyway. Oh man. And there would have been no way cause he flies, flies Allegiant to re, uh, book it and get up here anywhere close to the holiday. So we FaceTimed him. We put him on the big screen, which was kind of nice. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of adapt, adjust and improvise, but you know, for everything that you get to do on Christmas, it was all all good. We all hope that you had a great holiday weekend. You know, I was looking today, Purdue football loses Brady Allen to the transfer pool, the kid out of Columbus, Gibson Southern, excuse me. And he was one of their, he was like a number one rated quarterback 
went to Purdue, and now with the changeover in coaching staff, he's on to um, hopefully what he thinks is greener pastures, but you never really know with that. But right now, Purdue only has uh, two starting quarterbacks on their on their roster, and I got to think that's going to be a big problem for them potentially going into this bowl game because it's great to have your two guys there uh, for competing purposes, but you have to have that third guy just in case something crazy would happen. But Purdue will only be having only has two quarterbacks on the roster right now, and I wouldn't be surprised to see. Mr. Allen end up at Louisville, mm. you know, yeah, I, I, you know, there's just, I think maybe he, you know, had a chance to talk to coach Walters, maybe meet Graham Harold, maybe saw that he wasn't quite the fit for what was coming in, which was a little surprising because Graham Harold, you know, he has a, uh, a great offensive mind, but for reasons unknown, he's decided to move on and, Hey, uh, that's for what transfer portals are for. And when those type of things happen and see, to me, that's the right situation that allows a kid to transfer and, and is able to, uh, compete right away. I think that's, that's the one thing that I would say that, uh, is the important aspect for it, you know, or a coach leaving for another job like that. It does give a kid the opportunity to move on to a, you know, like I said, a different uh, setup than what he normally uh, is accustomed to. But Purdue, I'm sure they'll figure out who they're going to get. I think you've got some news on that coming up here in the hot topics in a second. Our Pacers lose to New Orleans last night, 113 to 93. And yeah, that was a tough one. You know, Ty Hilliburton only had, I think, what he he only had like 11 last night. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. He had 12. <laughs> I was one off. Yeah. But against the Heat, he was unbelievable uh, where he scored, I believe, something like 45 points. I mean, this guy's been on a, on a hot streak, and I would say that's one of the reasons why they kind of fell short against New Orleans. Yeah, it was kind of a, just a really off offensive night. Credit to the New Orleans Pelicans, who actually came into the game a little undermanned. Um, they were able to hold the Pacers to just 93 points on the night, and uh, their leading scorer was held to only 15 points, and that was uh, Benedict Matherin, their rookie off the bench. Yeah. So the fact that you didn't have any Pacers scoring above 15 points, none of the starters scoring, uh, you know, none of the starters being the highest scorer, credit to New Orleans defense, and then a lot of the shots just weren't falling either. So, uh just an ugly game, you know, one of those games that I think comes with the the youth and uh, just kind yeah. of growing process that is the Indiana Pacers right now. Well, like I said, he played lights out against um, the Heat with that 111-108 victory. 43 points, excuse me. I'm coming up a little over and under. I'm going to have to look at my, <laughs> my uh, sheets a little bit better. But, um, you know, they lose a tough one. They lose their streak of three games, I believe. And uh, But... You know, I think, again, you know, being around that 500 mark for the Pacers at this point in the year, I think, is a pretty good accomplishment for them. And did you see this one? Now, I'm a, I guess I'm a sucker for those, you know, Twitter videos or TikTok videos now of maybe a player uh, that has a walk-on, uh, gets awarded a scholarship in front of the his whole team. And yeah. those are type 
those are the type of uh, moments that can kind of tug at the old heartstrings because you know how hard these kids work, and especially kids that are walk-on. Especially they're they're they are, you know, trying desperately to have an impact on a team, and to see that is really cool. But I saw one the other day that was really cool as well. Anthony Leal from IU Basketball's Christmas Day gift to his older sister, somebody that he looks up to and all the things that he'd gone through with her up through his upbringing. But he was able to pay off his sister's student loan debt, all of it, using his NIL money. Yeah, that's that's I mean, awesome. I, I, I can't think. I mean, I've seen some of those type of things where – Maybe a kid that's gotten drafted into Major League Baseball pays off mom's and dad's home home mortgage, which I did see one mm-hmm. on TikTok of that. I think as a kid that was signed by the Diamondbacks, but I can't remember off the top of my head. And that was a very emotional video. But to see somebody um, just come out and do something like that, to have an impact on a sister using the money he gets from NIL, I mean, it's just to see her face was truly, truly um, unbelievable. And now remember, these kids come out of, out of college, irregardless of what they make with NIL. They come out of college with no debt. I mean, that's the one thing when my son was going to IU and playing ball that I kind of, you know, beat into his head every day to be appreciative of the fact when he graduates and gets goes into his career life, he's going to do it on on uh an advantage of not having to worry about college debt. And here's a kid that rewards his sister um, for being a special someone to him as he grew up, paying off her college loan debt. And I think that's an awesome thing, Anthony Lill of IU Basketball. And I've, those are the type of stories that you love to see. But now going from things that make you happy to things that make you cry. <laughs> Our Colts take it on the chin last night to the Chargers 20-3. to And I know turnovers played a big part of it. But this is what I just can't believe, and I've never seen this, Adam. The Colts had zero third-down conversions. Yeah. And I've looked and double-looked and triple-checked that because I have never seen it. To never converting a third-down opportunity last night. And that, to me is just unbelievable. Um, but I know I think you do have some audio from Jeff Saturday's press conference, so let's play that for a little bit, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, we saw that Nick Foles had a very, you know, just lackluster game, and uh, after the game, uh, Jeff Saturday said that he was planning to stick with Foles, and uh, this was him talking to the media about that. Nah, I mean, no, it was, I mean... Look, you know, from from the way we were practicing, the way Nick had been moving the football, you know, you still had a chance. We got down there on the fourth down, fourth and short inside the red zone. You know, you got to convert there looking for a touchdown because we hadn't moved it. You know, you're trying to get some kind of spark. And now there's this, you know, there's going to somebody else wasn't the answer right there. Is that the play moving forward to just keep it with Nick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have any. Yeah, I don't have any reservations about that right now. Jeff, you said you're going to stay with Nick just the way he's moving the ball on the field. You, you know you had 170 yards off. No, no, no. I just said I didn't think a change was going to be – I didn't think a change was going to help us move the ball any more effectively. Not not just because of how he played, but I, I said the way he practiced and, you know, just trying to find rhythm with the offense. I don't think making another change at this moment is going to do much to spark it. I feel like I'm going to sound like Sam Elder Homer, and I, I'm not – I have no idea what he can do. But we all have seen what everybody else – 
can do and they can't yeah. do much. Why not? Well, we've, I mean, I, I mean, Sam's had his shot as well. I haven't, I haven't, I wasn't here when that happened. But um, you know, as as we've looked through there, we're we're trying to find a spark. We, as Nick was practicing, we felt like he gave us the best opportunity. Unfortunately, it wasn't his night tonight. That's some comments from Jeff Saturday after the Colts lost to the Chargers 20 to three last night. Nick Foles was seven of 29 for 143 yards. Now he had three interceptions. Now I'm going to defend a little bit of Nick Foles last night. Um, number one, uh, on some of the interception stuff, I think that has a lot to do with reps in game situations because I think one, a corner peeled off that he never saw. He kind of underthrew a, a 50-50 ball, and there was kind of a jump ball that he lost. So, you know, I will defend some of that. But again, I think the Colts gave up another seven sacks last night, and those are all coverage sacks for the most part. Now, I did see some blown assignments that led to sacks, but also, you know, in that regard of that um, – Nick Foles' performance, I do give him a little bit of cover in in that first game, you know, in a long time. And going from practice field to end game is almost impossible in terms of game experience and speed. Now, I know that he's played before. It wasn't like he was, un, un, you know, not aware of it. But until you get into under live fire, you cannot, cannot – uh, you know, worry about some of those interceptions. But we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I know you've got some hot topics to talk about here right before we had to break. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get into today's top stories. All right, well, we talked a little bit about the Purdue quarterback situation earlier in the show. Well, uh, Hudson Card actually has chosen Purdue as his transfer destination. The former Texas starting quarterback announced yesterday. Card threw for 1,523 yards and 11 touchdowns in three seasons with the Longhorns. He had, uh, you know, take he had fallen yeah. back to a, a bench spot. but uh, right, a big pickup. Bright spot there for Purdue. Uh, three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, J.J. Watt, announced today that this will be his last season in the NFL. He is the only player to record 20-plus sacks in multiple seasons. Yeah, the game he played the other day, too, was phenomenal. He looked awesome. Speaking of not awesome, the Denver Broncos fired first-year head coach Nathaniel Hackett on Monday. This move comes after a 4-11 start and Sunday's 51-14 loss to the Los Angeles Rams. Any thoughts on that one? Uh, can they fire Russell Wilson, too? <laughs> no, they can't. They're paying him way too much. Yeah, there's a mistake. That's one of those things. You can't get rid of the quarterback, so get rid of the head coach. And we got a quick college bowl update for you. Today, Buffalo defeated Georgia Southern by a score of 23-21. Memphis and Utah State are currently playing... Coastal Carolina will take on East Carolina at 645, and then the big one tonight will be Wisconsin taking on Oklahoma State in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. That's at 1015 Eastern, and those are your top headlines for today. Yeah, there's some awesome sports from this past weekend. Grab you a cup of coffee or uh, something to drink. Sit down and relax. We got Ben Boudreaux coming right up. Here on the Sports Rush on 14, I mean 1380 The Fan, 100.9 <laughs> FM. This is Purdue Fort Wayne men's basketball coach John Coffin, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Go Dons! Welcome back to the Sports Rush here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. And like Adam said, we've got a lot of college bowl games 
on tap for today. But hey, let's talk a little bit of Comet hockey. Got the chance to have coach head coach Ben Boudreaux joining us this afternoon. Ben, how you doing? Shannon, I'm doing well. How was your holiday break? It was great. I was just going to ask you the the same thing because I'm, you know, that's a time for you to kind of catch your breath and rejuvenate, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, the one, uh, you know, I would say negative is we don't have a family that's very close, and um, we had planned on spending Christmas, uh, you know, just my wife and my two boys, and the weather forced us to stay inside, so it was almost a blessing in disguise that. Uh, you know, four four days off with no hockey and just being able to hang out as a family was truly uh, truly a blessing over this Christmas holiday. So feeling very mentally and physically refreshed, ready to get back at it. Well, that's a nice thing about technology today. My son was in Florida, and we brought him up on the big screen during a FaceTime as we had Christmas, and he had Christmas. So while you didn't have him personally there, it's kind of nice that you can get, get some of that uh, connection through technology. But you're coming off the holiday break here right into the fire the next three games you know it's you know it's nice hope you had a great break but now you come back and you got toledo toledo and indy (laughs) yeah yeah no i know and uh toledo is playing some really good hockey obviously uh um just before the break here and so we we know them uh to be a formidable foe and you know, it's a team that, uh, regardless of how well they're doing in the standings, it's it's our arch rival. So for us, we want to make sure that we're uh, winning these hockey games. And um, with us having six in a row into the break, we're we're a confident group. But at the same time, too, um, we can't just show up to the game and expect to win. We have to do all the little things that we've been doing in order to have success. So we got to preach uh, preach that first and foremost. Yeah, and, you know, you're also battling some injuries as well. And I know that uh, Marcus McIver is on, was taken out of the lineup because of his injury. And then you got Sean Allen. Any word on who you may have coming back here? Well, uh, McIver uh, will not be, um, you know, close. He, he's going to go on the injured reserve here. So it's going to be uh, a little bit of time for him. And Scott Allen should be ready to go. You know, uh, hopefully here in the near future, and uh, we do miss them both uh, uh, on and off the ice. So um, we'll have a couple options. And Matt Overo has been another guy that we haven't uh, been able to see in about a month's time. Right. So we're looking for a, a close return for him. So you know, the guys that we have injured, uh, you know, they, they've been off for a while. Matt Bowden's another one that uh, you know, given all this time off, their bodies are healing and inching closer to a return, which is always going to be a big bonus for us. Yeah, no question. It gives you sometimes it gives them a chance to maybe heal up some just as well as little bumps and bruises that can be nagging as well at times. And I know you made a couple moves, uh, you know, on the D line. You pick up Graves from Atlanta for the Kate Oliver trans, uh, transaction, and then you also pick up Samuelson from Tulsa in a trade that sent Benjamin Gagne there. So you do have a couple reinforcements coming in. Hey. Yeah, no, uh, actually, Jacob Graves just got into town here today and, um, you know, after, uh, after a long trek and, uh, uh, Samuelson is actually, uh, he, he experienced a couple flight delays, uh, to be <laughs> honest with you. And so we were hoping to meet him today, but he won't fly in until 545. So oh my. we'll practice at six o'clock. It's still, uh, 
some of our players are still fighting a, a few travel delays, but uh, no worse for wear. We'll be ready to go. Yeah, I was just wondering about that, too, because you have a lot of kids coming in from different parts of the country, and the travel situation does not lend a friendly hand at the moment. Hey, how do you feel right now heading into this big uh, three-game week uh, versus some rivals with your hockey club as a whole? Well, I think the big thing in pro hockey now, this is my ninth year in the ECHL, and my fourth is a head coach, and you start to learn a few things along the way. And w- one of them is, is the season as a whole is going to be peaks and valleys, ups and downs. And, you know, it's all about how you manage the downs. And then, um, you know, for us on a six-game win streak, it's all about how you manage the ups. And I think you can't get too down on yourself and you can't get too high uh, when your things are going well. So for us, it's making sure we stay level- level-headed and just continue to do the daily process and, um, you know, continue to work on those things that have led us to have success. I mean, we're, we're a confident hockey team because we're seeing results right now, but we're not an overly confident hockey team where we know we still have to put in the work to have that success. So um, for us, it's, it's uh, like I said, we're, we're uh, on a peak right now and we want to stay up there. So uh, we're trying to enjoy the moment. Let's uh, and then up front for you, you know, I think some of the guys are really starting to hit stride now. Winkwis is he's been on a hot tear of lately, but and Razzle's going to the kid that seems to be coming alive a little bit. He's a big kid that I think can do a heck of a lot in the ECHL. How how do you feel about up front with some of the production you're getting out of your forwards? Well, I think we we've got a um, a treasure trove of riches as far as forwards go, and it's not just scoring guys. We have we have a lot of different players that can play a lot of different roles. And, and you're right when you mentioned Winquist. We brought him in as a veteran to be the veteran guy to lead our offense, and he's done just that. I think he's on an 11-game point streak right now. And Ty Fellhaber, another big-name acquisition in the offseason, we brought in to, to lead our offense. And I believe he's on a, a eight game point streak, and, and he's factoring in every single win. So, I mean, those two guys at the, the head of the helm, but... When you see it, you're right. Russell uh, is coming into his own as a rookie, and Sean Boudre as a third-year pro is really starting to put games together. And you know, Cooper is is a special teams wizard, and and five on five, he's been great. So you look at all those guys, and the addition to Burzan, uh, who uh, who's been great with Petrozelli, who leads our team in goals, and Giliotti, a great veteran guy. I mean, I can go up and down the roster up front, and and really all those guys are pulling their weight, and um, it's it's great to see. You know, we're getting contributions uh, from everywhere, and, you know, on any given night, it can't just be one guy, so it's great to see uh, every single line uh, finding success on the offensive uh, sheet here. Well, and that, in, as you know is this, but you've got to have three productive lines uh, to really cause havoc in the, in the ECHL because you just can't put it all on one. And that's the that's the I guess that's the uh, trick that you have to figure out. How do you get that production all three lines? And right now it seems like you've settled in on pretty much your line combos, though. Yeah, and uh, you know consistency in lines and, and familiarity and figuring out uh, things on how you play with each other for six straight wins, seven straight games. We haven't changed anything to the line combinations, you know, up front, and and I think it's paying dividends and. You know, once our defense and our goalies came to play and, you know, limit the, the goals against, our offense is, is finding a way to produce four, five, six goals every single game. So, um, you know, if we can limit limit our chances, limit the goals against, uh, you know, that's a, it's a good recipe for success. Let the offense do their thing, but 
Let's make sure we put a priority on the defense first. And it's been working here over the last few weeks. Yeah, it seems like the forwards are really making a conscious effort to get back to help the D-man, especially uh, something that probably you were screaming and yelling since day one, <laughs> day one uh, in practice as a, as a reminder. Now on the blue line, you, I, I think you're, you, you feel pretty good with your blue line right now with, you know, getting Peters and Brubaker from the Condors. That's really solidified the blue line, hasn't it? Yeah, and you know what? Another name I, I want to mention in there, just because he's not getting the offensive uh, awareness, but he's he's been such a big difference maker. And not to forget Dan Maggio, who's in, who's in his yes. third year of, of duties, won a championship here. The guy knows how to win. The guys absolutely love him. He brings... Uh, a big-time element of, of energy and has a confidence to make plays rather than just whacking the puck out of the zone. So, you know, even though his statistics don't show it, he's been a big, big part of our lineup. And, you know, you can't say enough about Brew and, and Peters. I mean, the second those guys, you know, got into the lineup, they've been making a difference every single night. So it's been fun to watch. Yeah, and the big help for the, your power play, because that's really started kicking of late. I think you were, what, like 25% on the power play and your PK is well on the 80%. So special teams-wise, you've got to feel pretty good right now with what you're getting production-wise out of both. Yeah, absolutely. You know, And, and we're ranked 10th on the, the penalty kill with being the 27th-ranked uh, uh, defensive team. So, I mean, that's, that's a big thing to look at right there. We're doing a great job on the special teams. We're ranked third on the power play. You're right, just sitting under 25% with the the third highest offense and shots for and goals for uh, every single game. So, I mean, you know, in the first 18 games of the, the season, we were giving up a lot of goals, um, a lot of, you know, a lot of team defense. And uh, for us, uh, you know, we put ourselves in a, in a hole as far as statistics go. But when you look at those, I mean, you can really point and look and say, okay, this has been a consistently great offensive team. And then on the, the penalty kill, you know, this is the fourth year in a row. Olivier Legault is uh, – done some great work there and and guys buy in and want to play for them so it's great to see that we're getting that work and uh, we all know you're only as good as your goaltender and our goaltender in the last six games has been really great helping out the special teams absolutely he's been pretty hot and i got a feeling you're going to probably have some guys knocking on your door goaltender wise wanting that uh, shot at the walleye coming up here in in a couple days at home uh especially Absolutely. I mean, we got we got two and two, and I mean, both our goalies right now, Max Molossic and uh, uh, Ryland Parento, both spent time in uh, Toledo, and uh, we had Max in his first practice the other day, and he's got all his equipment still from Toledo. He's got the helmet, the pads, the gloves, and the blocker. <laughs> a nice, nice sight to see him in the crease facing the walleye in the Huntington Center come Friday night. Yeah, I agree. He he was fabulous against the Comets a couple games last year. Well, Ben, I want you to know I'm a crazy hockey nut. My, 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 my professional way as I'm a football coach was football coach, had, uh, collegiate football coach for 28 plus years, but I was a off-season hockey nut. And for my Christmas gift from my wife, she got me my quarter zip, zip, uh, pullover with the Comet logo on. So that was probably the best hockey gift I got this, this Christmas. Well, I'm sure you're going to be looking good in the stands this upcoming <laughs> week here, Shannon, so I may be a little jealous. I need something to take the attention off my hairline. 
Well, I'll, I'll say this for you. I admire, as a coach to another coach, I admire your presence behind the bench in the calm, cool order. Um, if you hear anybody yelling about officials, it's probably me. That's just in my bloodlines. I always got a chance to be in somebody's ear. You have a bench and the, uh, the uh, players in front of you, so it makes it hard sometimes. But best of luck this week, Ben. Big, two, big three games set. Toledo Walleye. Uh, tomorrow night at the Coliseum, then they Comets travel to Toledo on Friday, and then the big Saturday night uh, New Year's Eve game against the Indy Fuel. All the best, Coach, and we'll talk to hey, you later. Thank you so much. Have a happy holiday. You too, buddy. That was Ben Boudreaux joining us on the Masters and Heating uh, and Hotline uh, here today, and we're going to step aside here for a couple minutes, and we'll come back. We're going to have uh, Kevin Boyd join us. James Boyd. Well, James Boyd, I'm sorry. James Boyd from the Atlantic Athletic. Athletic. Man, I am just struggling we'll get it, today. We'll get it at some point here. I am struggling today, Adam. I may have to go to the bullpen. We're coming back right after this on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush here on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM on a Tuesday afternoon. And uh, I know that... Uh, we have the Colts losing last night to the Chargers, 20-3. to And joining us to give us a little bit better breakdown is James Boyd from The Athletic. James, are you, can you hear me, my friend? Yes, sir. Well, I know that last night was really uh, uh, just a par for the course for the Colts. But one thing that I brought up earlier I have never seen a team not convert one third down situation. The Colts were 0% last night. Yeah, I mean, it happened earlier this year in New England when uh, right. Sam Ellinger was in. They were 0 for 14, but to have two of those in the same season is just the epitome of the season, quite frankly. It doesn't matter who they put in at quarterback, who's back there. Um, they're an objectively bad football team. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a pretty astute uh, comment there because, I mean, you were in uh, the press conference with Saturday last night. What was your takeaways with some of the things that he had to talk about? My takeaways, one, I was a bit shocked that he committed to Nick Foles for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you said it right away. There was no thought of even putting Sam Ellinger in. In the second half, which I also thought was kind of odd just because of how badly Nick Foles played, three interceptions, um, you know, 31.9, you know, quarterback rating, and never looked comfortable ever, sacked seven times, which wasn't all his fault, you know, holding the ball, but then also the offensive line has been what it's been all season. But I think uh, they lost something in Minnesota, having blown the biggest lead in NFL history. And it's just, I think what we saw last night was just the, the grave site, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Now, I will give Nick Foles some cover, and I know a lot of people were, you know, talking about his rating and such and holding the ball and, and things of that nature. But it is very different from sitting on the bench or going from practice into live action. And I felt some of the things that happened in interceptions-wise was a lot had to do with just reps and, and end-game action. And the one that I look at the most is the corner peeling off on the uh, over route that he threw where he just never saw the, that DB peel off the uh, outside receiver. 
Absolutely. And I talked to Parks Fraser at the play call today about Nick Foles. He was saying, you know, uh, he's, he's been getting mental reps all season. He's been trying to stay ready. But, you know, as much as you appreciate a good mental rep, he didn't have any live reps, many live reps coming into that game, hadn't thrown to the starters, um, you know, since training camp, which was four months ago. Right. Just expect him to come in on three days of practice really with the first stringers and pull a Baker Mayfield was just not going to happen. And quite frankly, if they were playing the Raiders, maybe they could have pulled it off, but that one <laughs> Raiders win was the only one they're probably going to get, you know, maybe outside of the Texans. <laughs> right. Well, and then, you know, you look at the defense last night. Now, in the first half, I think at a time uh, they were giving up 60%, 60% of their third down uh, conversion uh, rating in the first half against uh, the Chargers. But on the one scoring drive, I think they gave up two third and I'm talking long situations. That's been something that's plagued them pretty much all year, hasn't it? It has. It has. Um, they're not absolved of the team's issues, but I think a lot of it also comes from being on the field for a long time. Absolutely. No to question. Catch up with them. They've been on the field, you know, pretty much all game, all year. So um, they still forced two turnovers last night. But as we know, after getting those turnovers, uh, Indianapolis offense didn't do anything with it. I mean, to score three points in an NFL football game at home <laughs> exactly. against the Chargers team, it did not play well. Um, lets you know how bad the Colts are because the Chargers didn't play good. They didn't even play. They were trying to actually make the playoffs, but right. the Colts were just that bad they couldn't compete. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I don't know. I don't think there's any one answer, and I mean this from the quarterback side of the equation, that's going to make a difference. The Colts, in some respects, are going to have to blow up their offensive line and, and, and figure something anew because right now that has been something that's been their problem since day one. And I know injuries play a part of it, but right now they're just not very good up front. And when you're not good up front, you're not going to move the football. No, not at all. That's That's been the biggest issue, or maybe the most surprising issue of this season, is that, as many of people know, the highest hit off of the line in the NFL is one of the worst. Right. Um, giving up 56 sacks this season, which is a league high. Um, they're on pace to actually break, I believe, the franchise record in that margin. And, again, every it seems like every time we talk about a record with this team this year, it's on the opposite end, you know, the end you don't want to be on. So um, it does feel like it just needs to end at this point. And really, everyone's just looking at what draft position they're going to have because, as we know, this season is a lost season. Um, and, again, it just looked like they were kind of lifeless out there yesterday. I think the effort was there, but just the production, the execution, things that have plagued them all season, um, it kind of all came to a head and, and a dud. Right, and I just think right now with the offensive line that they have, even with Nelson, they're going to have to do something drastic. And I know draft picks and things of that sound that are good. And when you're talking about building for the future, but offensive line, you've got to have some veterans dotting the, that line of scrimmage that have played some games and are good, not your, you know, could be good guys. And I think that's one of the biggest problems they have right now is, you know, has been all year up front. How is, did you get a report on Ashton Doolin who took that hit last night? Yes. Yes. We, we spoke to Jeff Saturday about it. He said that uh, Ashton is doing well. He is in, in concussion protocol. Um, Brandon Staley had a unique comment about it. I guess is how I'll phrase it. He was saying basically more or less it was Nick Foles' fault for putting the ball out in front of uh, you know Ashton Doolin like that. 
and his guy was making a play. He was basically saying it's not our job to protect him. It's their job. But um, quite honestly, the, the hit was dirty. Um, I don't think that Derwin James is a dirty player, but that particular play was dirty. He hit him with the crown of his helmet. That's a textbook flag, textbook penalty. He speared him. And so yes. um, I think, and I think the dumbest thing about all of it is that Derwin James concussed himself as well. <laughs> and so well, he's in the protocol. So it's like, yeah, your guy might have got a big hit and they're celebrating. They're going to the playoffs, which they should absolutely do. It's hard to win in this league, but um, that's something to keep an eye on going forward because he's a really good player and he's going to miss some time uh, or possibly could miss some time because he, you know, didn't practice good tackling form and just labeled a guy and then labeled himself. Because when he got up after he got ejected, he still probably wasn't going to play because he got up and he was woozy. Like, yeah. Ashton actually walked up the field fine, and then he was uh, the one kind of wobbly. So um, just a really bad play, and Jeff Saturday stuck up for his guy today and said that's a play that deserved to deserved an ejection. It's one they'll, they'll show on, you know, they tell teams what not to do. Oh, yeah. And the thing about it was is that, uh, like you said, the hit was so vicious. The Chargers player, I mean, he got up. He's lucky he's not paralyzed because he hit him with the crown of his head. And you can see in the replay how that, uh, you know, that pressure was applied to his body. And, uh, Absolutely. and I, and, and I think the, you're, you're a hundred percent spot on with the comment. I thought it was, I thought it was, in my opinion, it was kind of a cheap shot. I mean, I don't think there was anybody trying to say that that was a dirty player type of thing and he's done it for all year and so forth and so on. I just thought in that moment, yeah, does uh, Nick Foles have to have a better foresight of not lay, you know, laying out a, a receiver or a running back? By all means. But to say that, you know, placing blame and fault on the Colts for that situation was totally, totally irresponsible from him. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was a, a little bit of a dig as well. And again, um, everything he was talking about intent, you know, they should factor in intent. They will never do that because intent means discretion and you can't get into what you think a player <laughs> yeah. thought. Like, he, you know, if he, if, I mean, honestly, you know, even when I go play, pick up basketball myself, like I might hit someone or something. Someone asked, did you foul him? Did you intend? No, I didn't. So, I mean, what, what are we talking about here? So I think you have to be uh, rigid in that sense and, if the shoe was on the other foot and a Colts player had blasted, let's say, Keenan Allen or somebody or Mike Williams, then oh, the tone yeah. obviously would have been a lot different. You know, so I think that that's something to keep in mind. And I know people are always, you know, at least on Twitter, in my mentions saying, oh, that's a good hit. And oh, yeah. Back in the day, <laughs> hey, those days are over, man. And it's a reason why they changed that because they want to make sure, like, hits like that don't cost you like your memory or your ability to walk or things like that 20 years from now. No question. And that's a definitely a play that you're going to see on uh, a reel of talking about, you know, illegal contact to the head of a defenseless player and also to protect the defensive player because they don't want that type hit in the game. And then you can say, yeah, he was trying to hit him with his shoulder. And, uh, you know, we could debate that all day, but that's beside the point. But, uh, you know, the other thing I wanted to talk to you, Ursig had, a, I guess, an interview the other day that was, you know, yep. televised. And, you know, he said basically three things that he gave, you know, Frank Wright an extension too soon. He said Ballard will be back as GM. And, of course, the evaluation process will determine the quarterback situation. How do you take those comments about, especially Ballard, and say that he's back automatically after this year? Yeah, it's it's 
falls in line with what my colleague Zach Kiefer reported um, I believe last week. Um, talking to Ursay, he's he's he said it. He's he's held true to that um, since Jeff Saturday was brought in and kind of these changes were made. You asked about Chris Ballard, his job security. He's, he's doubled down on it, tripled down on it at this point, saying he's going to be back. I think that it would be possibly a mistake to just, you know, go out to that right now because, in my opinion, I think Chris Ballard has not done enough to just automatically warrant getting his job, you know, keeping his job, rather, for next season because you look at this team, the way it's been built, it's not all on quarterback issues. I mean, this is the guy who took a gamble on the left tackle position. Right. Didn't go out and get an experienced left tackle. And it's literally the most important position on the offensive line outside of the center. And so that's something that you, that's unforgivable for a GM. And then there's other things that he, you know, went about in the way he built this team that seems just archaic. And now uh, it seems like the Colts are, are just falling behind, literally because of how this team was constructed. And then, you know, his other comments about Frank Reich, I just feel like it's, at this point, it's like beating a dead horse. Oh, yeah. Well, why go keep going back to saying why you did or why you didn't? He's gone now. He's moved on. And quite frankly, the team is worse since he left. Um, you know, they <laughs> yeah. have four wins this season. Three of them were with Frank Reich. One of them was with Jeff Saturday. And I'm not, like, serious, I'm not taking any shots, but Jeff Saturday, the biggest thing to his name is that he is the coach that blew the largest lead in NFL history. Yep. And so that's uh, that's something that you're gonna have to live with if you're Jim Irsay, who still said he's you know he believes Jeff Saturday is a great candidate. And uh, as far as the quarterbacks go, I think there's one route to go, and that is to draft one. Even if you have them, you know, sit a year behind a, a Nick Foles or some other guy as a bridge quarterback. The bottom line is draft one so that you can finally get off of this QB carousel. Hey James, I appreciate it. I would like to have got into some of the candidates that probably will be on the head coaching job list. I just put my money and say look out for for Jim Harbaugh to be a candidate, but we'll see. But next time I have you on, we'll be able to go over those. But I really appreciate you jumping on here today and joining us. Sounds good. I really appreciate it. Um, stay tuned, man. It's going to get, uh, you know, I guess a little more interesting once the season ends because that's when the real season starts. <laughs> you got that correct. That's James Boyd. From The Athletic, who joined us here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. We're going to step away, and when we come back, we'll give a little recap on Hour 1 and set the sails for Hour 2 here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM.